0: This episode is brought to you by Dashable, an app to help you find deals, discounts, and coupons for local businesses in New York City.
1: Welcome to HR and Happy Hour. I'm Kat Johnson, and this week we have a special presentation for you. We're going to play for you an episode of a brand new series we just launched here on HRN called The Big Food Question. The Big Food Question is tackling practical and philosophical questions about the future of our food system. Each episode title is a question targeted at a specific sector an audience within the food system, be it farm workers, grocery shoppers, or restaurant owners. You're going to be able to scroll through the feed and find answers to some of the most pressing questions that you have about how our food system is trying to recover and reimagine and move forward to build a stronger and more resilient world for all of us. We're going to play for you episode three, which is titled, How Can Bars Stay Open at Half Capacity? As we've seen, as cities have started to go into phases of reopening, um, there have been many different rules and regulations on how you can reopen for dine-in at Half capacity being, you know, one of those options. And so we're talking to Southern Teague, who's sharing sort of his playbook and thought process of how he's going to reopen Amori Amargo, his bar in New York City's East Village, which is a tiny bar. And so the question is, how can he do that? How can he open that bar at half capacity and make it work? Um, so please enjoy episode three of The Big Food Question, and you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And please let us know if you have questions that you'd like us to answer on upcoming episodes. You can send us an email at info at heritageradionetwork.org.
0: So again, it's a pretty strict system, but if we can do it and maintain it, uh, I think it's our best uh, chance at survival.
2: Welcome to The Big Food Question, a podcast exploring the most urgent questions from a food industry in crisis. I'm Hannah Forden, one of the producers of the show and HRN's program manager. Today, we're asking, what will it take for bars to reopen for indoor service in our new COVID-shaped world.
0: Hi, I'm Souther Teague, beverage director at Amoria Margo in the East Village of New York City.
2: His iconic bar has been open since 2011 and closed on March 15th, just one day before the city of New York ordered that all bars and restaurants shut down.
0: Business is a shadow of its former self. Three days a week, I sell cocktails to go in bottles at the front window, sort of a walk-up and pick-up situation. Uh, in addition, I've been selling inventory, so we, now we're operating as sort of a de facto liquor store. So I sell cocktails and, and booze to go from the window three days a week, and then two days a week I get on my scooter, my electric scooter, and I try and do some deliveries. Um, so that's keeping me busy for five days a week. But the overall is this is far less than than even 5% of normal revenue. So we're really just doing it to to keep keep our hands and minds occupied a little, um, and also to remain visible to the public eye so that we can show that we're fighting and striving and that we hope to be here when when this is all over.
2: Now he's planning for reopening, taking into consideration capital, capacity, staffing concerns, and, above all, safety.
0: The plan as it stands right now is that We assume that the government is going to allow us 50% capacity, but that's also going to be contingent on a six-foot space between guests, or at least groups. And my bar is tiny. It's 240 square feet. So just doing the square footage math dictates that I'm probably only going to be allowed eight people at a time, when normally the bar houses around 30 people mingling, uh, and sometimes we spike up into the 40s and 50s when it's really crunch time. So I'm going to be at less than that 50% mandate. So I have to optimize that as best I can. Uh, we're going to do a reservation system where uh, we'll reserve online and pay in advance. Um, we haven't exactly nailed down that dollar amount, but we're, we're targeting maybe somewhere in the $83 range because then that plus tax and gratuity would be a flat 100 We do reservations in blocks. So uh, if I'm only allowed eight people, all eight are gonna arrive at the same time and it's gonna be a two hour block and all eight would leave at the same time. We envision this to be honestly just four two tops every time. On arrival, we'll take their temperature with a laser uh, temperature reader that we've already bought, a thermal one. We'll uh, spray everyone's hands with hand sanitizer on their way in the door, get everybody situated in their p- positions where there will be more hand sanitizer and sanit- uh, sanitary sanitized wipes that they can use throughout. On the reservation system, there'll be an option for downloading the menu so that we don't have to hand them a menu, one less contact. Um, that way we don't have to hand them the menu, take the menu back and then disinfect it in between. And then that that two hours would effectively be open bar for that price. Drink whatever you like. Uh, we'll make you drinks on the menu, off the menu, drinks of Amaro, etc. Enjoy yourself as best you can. Uh, of course, we would be wearing gloves and, and masks the whole time. Obviously, the, the, the guests can take their masks off so they can enjoy the drinks. And then we have a vaporizer that I ordered. I haven't gotten it yet, so I don't know exactly how it works, but we put sanitizing solution in that. And we effectively, when everyone moves out of the room, we fog the room with sanitizer solution. Uh, including the bathroom, and then we repeat.
2: Souther hopes that adhering to this stringent schedule will allow his business to sustain operations, even if it means working harder for less business.
0: Um, If we can do that four times a night, that's 32 guests, um, that would bring us in around twenty five hundred dollars in revenue uh, per night, uh, which would be uh, just a garbage Friday night, but but a but an okay Sunday night. So we but if we can do that consistently and remain full all four seatings for seven days a week, we'll survive, and my staff will survive. So that that uh, that that would translate into tips that would be you know gratuity that would be commiserate with what they make, what they made back on old earth that we've left behind um, so that they can continue to live in their apartment without having to move because their, their salaries have been slashed so that they can continue to, to pay their bills and, and do what they have to do.
2: In terms of staffing, he'll need to rehire gradually and maintain high standards of hygiene.
0: First of all, there's only uh, four of us who work at the bar generally. But in the beginning, we're going to just be two of us to get the thing back in motion um, and not have to bring other people off of the unemployment that they're receiving. So just two of us will come back. So effectively 50% capacity, 50% staffing. We're going to get tested weekly um, to make sure that we're staying healthy. And we're going to, again, wear masks and gloves the whole time. and obviously pay even closer attention to all the things that we normally do in service and hospitality, which is wash our hands a lot and keep everything as clean as possible. Um, But it's going to be a slow build back to full staffing um, as restrictions get lifted and we can open up the doors to more people.
2: Despite Souther's forethought, he is still waiting for the answers to critical questions before he can set his plan into motion.
0: I really have no idea when this will be happening. Um, We, I feel like, are standing in front of a giant whiteboard with a humongous, you know, uh, uh, Einstein-like math problem on it, yet there are many gaps where the numbers are simply missing and cannot be solved for. So we're continually trying to solve an equation with many of the variables unavailable. Uh, when can we reopen? What will our capacity be allowed to be? You know, uh, How long will it be until those restrictions are lifted? To what degree will they be lifted? Uh, will it jump from 50 to 100 or will there be a step in between? Will there be a second wave? Will we be shut down again? Like, there's so many pieces to the puzzle that are simply missing that it's, it's what keeps me awake at night, me and my, my colleagues, uh, owners and operators of bars, wringing our hands uh, because we don't have enough information and, and we don't know when we'll get it. So every day we're just sort of looking at the information that is being offered and trying to speculate on our own. But I, I don't have an answer. Um, you know, I, I don't want to do it before it's safe. But at the same time, you know, with every passing day and week, the, the likelihood that we make it back to service uh, becomes more and more distant.
2: Souther isn't alone in this. Countless hospitality professionals are struggling to envision their future with little guidance from government leaders. In response, people in the industry have come together to share resources and help one another make plans for sustaining operation.
0: One amazing uh, resource that I've been relying on is created by colleague Tobin Ellis. Uh, He's been in the bar business for 20 years. He created a website called Bar Magic. Uh, So go to barmagic.com forward slash relief. It has a dashboard with links to more than 100 reopening playbooks that Uh, bars all over the country have very willingly shared on how they're reopening in in their region or their area or based on the things that they're seeing and and ongoing, and he's constantly updating it. It's it's an amazing resource, um, ways to give and help, uh, uh, and also if you're in need, it's ways to find uh, the help that you need as well. So it's an amazing website. It's called barmagic.com.
2: We'll include the link to this resource in the show notes so you can learn more. Thanks for listening to The Big Food Question. Stick around to hear what makes our show possible.
0: This episode is brought to you by Dashable, an app created to help you find deals, discounts, and coupons for local businesses in New York City. Dashable will help you find the deals worth dashing for in a variety of categories, from food and drink to art, health, and pets. Support local and save money when you download Dashable today. That's D-A-S-H-I-B-L-E.
2: Don't forget to subscribe to The Big Food Question wherever you get your podcasts. Check back often as we address critical questions for eaters, operators, and workers across food topics and business sectors. If you have questions you'd like the show to answer, email us at question at heritageradionetwork.org. Special thanks to Souther Teague. If you'd like to hear more from Souther, check out his podcast on HRN, The Speakeasy. The Big Food Question is produced by Katie Mosman-Wadler, Kat Johnson, Matt Patterson, Luke Griffin, Jenny Dorsey, and me, Hannah Forden. Dylan Hoyer was the executive producer of this episode. Our audio engineer is Kevin Chang Barnum. Our theme song was composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. The Big Food Question is powered by Simplecast. The content of this series is provided for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. You should obtain professional or specialist advice before taking or refraining from any action on the basis of its content. This project is funded in part by a Humanities New York CARES grant with support from the National Endowment of the Humanities and the Federal CARES Act. The Big Food Question is also supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs, in partnership with City Council. The Big Food Question is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org and follow us at heritage underscore radio.